your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's show, I thought I'd do a couple of things. For one thing, I thought I'd talk a little bit about some observations from Manitoba's season. You know, the Moose have been very interesting this year, and I thought it might be time to talk a little bit about how some of our young prospects are faring and who I think might be ready to make the next jump. After that, we'll take a look at some of the scorelines from around the league and really take a look at where exactly the Canadian division might rank in terms of a playoff picture. You know, how are these teams looking? Who's most likely to emerge? And where does Winnipeg fit in all this? And then at the end, we'll have some thoughts about tonight's game against the Oilers. I may not do a full recap tonight. It's probably going to be a short, abbreviated version. Just a few early thoughts as the game kind of wears on. We'll have a fuller recap on tomorrow's show but at least some cursory glances and thoughts on the first period or so we'll get into. Before we talk about the adult Jets, though, let's kick it back to the baby Jets, which has been a very interesting year. The Manitoba Moose are one of those squads that I think, especially early on this season, really struggled for depth. They didn't really have many uh, AHL-caliber scores. They were relying on, like, a half-ECHL roster, and it honestly took a decent amount of time for some of their top players to get rolling. What was interesting to see was that, um, you know, guys like Nathan Todd and Jeff Malott ended up coming out of nowhere to be really productive scorers. Todd is one of those players who's definitely most comfortable at a level that's below the NHL because I think he has like a a very particular style and skill set that maybe doesn't lend itself to like really high end offensive play. But at the AHL level, at the way that he creates offense off the rush he's found like a perfect scoring role with the Moose. I think it's very much a natural fit. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back next season. And he's been a really nice all-situation scorer for the Moose for almost the entire year. He's definitely one of our top scorers. I believe he actually has the goal-scoring lead. And what's really great about his particular approach is that it's very repeatable. He's often, you know, getting into the right spots in the same areas consistently. And, you know, is definitely an effective scorer, even if it doesn't necessarily translate at something like the NHL level. You're not really wanting to hear about the older veterans, though. You want to know about the kids. And I have to say that this year has been very interesting for guys like Declan Chisholm, Jonathan Kovacevic, uh, Christian Veselainen, certainly David Gustafson, and, of course, Cole Perfetti. We'll get the really easy ones out of the way. Of course, Vili Heinola has been very impressive, especially after a bit of a troubling start for him. I think in the first couple of games at the AHL level, the chaos and disorganization was a bit much for him to handle. But eventually, he was confidently, you know, deceiving opposing defenders, getting by skaters, creating space along the blue line, handling nice defensive reads along the walls and quarterbacking the top power play unit like it was nothing. This is all stuff that's very much expected. Heinola is at this point a veteran pro, not necessarily in North America, but certainly abroad. Cole Perfetti is also on very much of a hot streak right now. He's getting like two to three points a game. Um, some of it, some of it's definitely driven by special teams opportunities, but he's seemingly finding more and more space at even strength. 
What I really like about Cole is how elusive and how shifty he is, especially in and around the neutral zone and once he enters the offensive zone. He's got a really nice approach in that he can shift uh, very quickly laterally, even though his straight up back and forth north-south speed is maybe not at the level of somebody like Nick Ehlers. What he does do is have really good lateral skating, really good vision, strong spatial awareness. It's enough to offset any sort of mobility issues that he might have in terms of not having like a really high-end top speed. He actually does a pretty good job of getting around the guys who are defensively marking him, so I don't think his speed is necessarily much of an issue. Where he really starts to shine is once he's sitting on the right side in and around the face-off circles and towards the net mouth. He's incredibly skilled when he's working towards areas near the goalie. He has incredible finesse. His release is strong. He's got incredible vision. His distribution is great. He can pretty much do anything you ask of him, especially in terms of creating high danger chances. That he also has a really nasty release just makes him such a versatile offensive threat, and the fact that his skating doesn't really hold him back allows him to get into really dangerous areas. He has very strong chemistry with smart players. And he's actually surprisingly industrious at forcing turnovers, especially in the neutral zone and inside the offensive zone. I've seen him strip a lot of skaters trying to make passes or guys who were just not really paying attention and didn't see him sort of glide in and steal the puck. And then, you know, Cole immediately creates an offensive opportunity out of that. So Perfetti is just a really well-rounded, versatile threat. He is like a high IQ, big brain kind of player. I think he's going to be a monster at the NHL level. You know, David Gustafson, of course, not much to say other than that he remains a huge towering figure with an impressive shot, really good passing, fairly strong skating, even if, again, the top speed isn't there. But what he doesn't have in, in speed, he certainly makes up for in physicality and strength on the puck. This dude is impossible to knock off the puck. And because of that, he's absolutely ruthless driving down the slot. He has that similar approach to Adam Lowry of getting into really dangerous areas right in front of the net, but instead of being like an overwhelmingly physical attacker, he instead has a little bit more skill and uses his frame more in the way of setting up really good offensive positioning. He's got that extra layer of finesse that Lowry for me has always been missing, and I think it's going to make Gustafson a really dangerous middle six to top six threat if he ever gets really good deployments. You give him skilled linemates to work with, and I think his natural forechecking ability, his spatial awareness, his passing ability, and his vision are going to allow him to rack up a lot of points. That you can rely on him for the PK and in a lot of defensive scenarios just makes him an extremely well-rounded player and somebody that you could honestly build a, a really skilled unit around. On the defense, we're going to go quickly here. Uh, Jonathan Kovacevic looks like a quality third-pairing guy. I would say he probably is going to be an upgraded version of Pullman. Very effective on the puck. Nice release. Good spatial awareness. Maybe not defensively attuned, and sometimes he does have a habit of passing into trouble. But I could see him as like a number 5 or a number 60 in 12 to 13 minutes a night and maybe getting some power play deployments. Declan Chisholm is also very fun to watch, as especially on the back end when he's allowed to activate. He's got very good, very shifty skating. His spatial awareness is also very high because he seemingly assesses space very well. He knows where to you know, navigate around opposing defenders. He can navigate into really dangerous uh, passing and shooting lanes. He's comfortable dropping below the face-off circles. He hits his teammates effectively with great passes. He just has a really well-rounded offensive skill set that I think makes him possibly like a second-pairing defender. His defensive awareness in his own end has also improved rapidly. He's definitely somebody who struggled at first to match up to AHL caliber speed and skill, but his gapping, body positioning, defensive reads, stick reads, all of that stuff has all improved, especially as the Moose have continued to get stronger and stronger, and Chisholm was eating more and more minutes. If the Jets handle Declan right, he could be a really, really fun player, and I would love to see him get at least a look with the Jets in the next couple of seasons. 
We'll pause our Moose thoughts there as there are a few other prospects and players that I'd like to analyze in greater detail, but for now we're going to transition to NHL stuff and we're going to talk about some standings updates that pertain to the North Division and how the Jets may play inside this playoff structure. Before then though, I thought I'd fill you in on a little more about the Locker Room app and why you should be using it right now. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, reporters, and so many others in real time about your favorite team or sport. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the NHL. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, trade reactions, rumors, and so much more. You'll find tons of our Locked On Podcast Network hosts from across the network, including the NBA, MLB, and NHL, all hosting rooms that you can join and discuss. I'll be joining the app myself very soon, so be sure to get started and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app, and I'll be sure to let you know once the Locked On Winnipeg Jets room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know that I've personally spoken at length about the greatness of Built Bar. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and you live under a rock, Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars on the market. They're the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend giving raspberry and mint brownie a try if you've never had them before, but if you really can't choose between their flavors, be sure to check out the variety box so you get the best of all the worlds you want. Build is always looking to get even tastier though, and they're back in better than ever with 6 brand new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I've tried all 6 flavors, they're all fantastic, and you'll never be disappointed by them unlike a lot of your favorite sports teams. As good as Built Bars taste, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 14 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hello friends and welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look now at some of the uh, standings updates for the North Division and ultimately what this means for the Jets. And I gotta be honest folks, it's not looking great. Right now the uh, the first four places belong to Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal in this order. I think the biggest issue right now um, is that the Jets are trailing Edmonton by one point and the Oilers have two games in hand. I believe this means Edmonton would get home ice advantage during the postseason, especially if the Jets remain in third place and Montreal remains in fourth, which for the Jets might not actually be that bad in this case, considering they keep losing at home, so maybe playing on the road is the only way they win. But what does kind of give me some pause is that the Canadians are right behind them in the standings, only six points back with a game in hand. So, you know, the season is winding down and there aren't that many games remaining in Winnipeg's schedule, but... If the Jets continue to drop points and let Montreal overtake them, that would mean the Jets are most likely to get the Toronto Maple Leafs in first place. In fact, I don't think anyone can realistically catch the Leafs at this point. And what feels strange to say is that I honestly think the Jets would have a better chance against the Leafs than they would the the, the Oilers. I think Edmonton has the Jets figured out. The Leafs are a lot more open-ended, and what you'd really be relying on is that in an open series, Winnipeg would get Ehlers back, maybe they would stick with a really high-intensity, aggressive play style, and ultimately Connor Hellebuck would be the difference maker. You know, the, the Leafs definitely have plenty of offensive weapons that do concern me, and certainly, you know, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, John Tavares, none of these guys I would want to see shooting against Hellebuck with any sort of regularity. 
By the same token, I also look at the way Edmonton has basically dismantled the Jets by having McDavid just score a couple of goals and then sit deep and just toss the puck out of the defensive zone every single time. So I don't really know if there's really an option here that's particularly great. But I think the Jets would be most served not having to play against the Oilers and going for a matchup against Toronto. That said, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to stick in this third place. I don't think the Habs are going to catch them. And honestly, you really can't say that you want the Jets to lose to have a better shot at the postseason. That just doesn't really make any sense. And uh, the Jets just need to be better. They need to figure out how to beat the Oilers. The fact that they keep getting pantsed every time they play this team, it's not a good sign. And it really shows many of the reasons why the Jets are just not really seen as a true Stanley Cup contender. Aside from the defense, yeah, we get it. That's a structural issue with the team and not something that Paul Maurice or the coaching staff are necessarily going to fix. The problem is that the coaching staff continues to make these issues even worse with really bad defensive pairings, deployments that don't make sense, and just a weird tactical approach, especially in a game like, uh, you know, on Monday night where the, the Oilers were basically preying on a loose, unprepared Jets team like it was child's play. I felt like the Jets got humiliated and it seemed like the team did not respond all that well to any of the changes, so... I, I don't really know how the Jets are going to handle like an actual postseason series. Seven games against this Oilers team seems very far-fetched. I think Edmonton would beat the Jets in 5-6, to six, and I would much rather the Habs play Edmonton because, again, if the, if the Canadians were actually able to solve McDavid's team and ended up ousting them while the Jets were beating the Leafs and somehow got the Leafs out of the postseason in round one, you know, I would actually think the Jets could advance to like some sort of interdivisional matchup. There's always that one team, though, every year that seems to have Winnipeg's number, and this year it's Edmonton, it's, and it's the team that they're destined to meet in the postseason right now, so I'm just not really feeling great about the Jets. Um, the rest of the North Division is kind of funny. You've got Calgary in third place, but it feels very distant for the Flames. I think they're basically cooked. They don't really have a shot at getting into the postseason. They're frankly in need of a rebuild more than they are a postseason berth. Vancouver, definitely out. They only have 41 points in 42 games, which... Yeah, not exactly a great situation. Um, they've they've had a real serious COVID outbreak, of course. It derailed most of their season. They're probably going to be playing games for a while yet. They've got four games in hand on the next closest team with 46 games in the Oilers, so obviously the, the Canucks have to make up a lot of ground, but they aren't going to be getting enough standing points, I don't think, to make the postseason unless something really weird happens. Ottawa is definitely in last place, and they've only got 40 points in 49 games, but let's be honest, that was expected. I think the uh, Senators have basically done about all they can this year. At least they went down swinging and occasionally beating the Canucks, which is super funny. Right now, I think they're actually up on Vancouver, so uh, you know maybe they're actually going to sink Vancouver's last playoff hopes right now. I hate to be doom and gloom on this, but I have a really bad feeling about how the Jets are going to handle the Oilers in the postseason. In just a little bit, we're actually going to check in on, on how the Jets are doing against Edmonton. This is one of their last games against the Oilers. Maybe one of the last chances for the Jets to sort of shape up and get things right. I'm not overly hopeful, but I would love it if they were 3-6 and six against Edmonton instead of 2-7. and seven. So, yeah. Hoping for gold stars, not expecting much. We'll find out in just a little bit. Before we likely shed tears over the Winnipeg Jets, I thought I'd share some much happier news with you instead, and that's about the greatness that is BetOnline.ag. Those of you who have done online betting know that it's a really chaotic world, and you need a name that you know you can trust every single time. BetOnline is that place. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. This week also has tons of sports action on the go, as the NFL Draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. BetOnline is also your source for all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, 
UFC, MMA, college sports, and so many other fantastic sports. Before the next pitch, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news and sign up for bonuses as well as contests. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Register at BetOnline.ag and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are recapping some early thoughts from Winnipeg versus Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, not exactly an ideal start to this game. Winnipeg, um, especially in the first 20 minutes or so, basically didn't do anything. Aside from, like, a couple of really decent scoring opportunities where Miko Koskinen maybe had to make one fabulous save on Paul Stastny, and later in the game, either in the first or second period, I don't quite remember, Josh Morrissey had a really good look on the left side. I think that chance either went wide or was just barely deflected away by Koskinen. I don't know if he got credited with the save, but aside from that, the Jets frankly didn't create all that many dangerous chances. You can tell that Nikolai Ehlers is definitely being missed, but I think the biggest problem was that Winnipeg just got outplayed by Edmonton in almost all areas of the ice. The Jets just didn't really pressure, they weren't aggressive, they got completely hemmed in inside the defensive zone, Edmonton just kept cycling the puck around, getting good dangerous shots on goal, testing Hellebuck from different angles, and Winnipeg's response was very muted. The Jets just weren't able to get into the offensive zone. Every time they tried to break out, they got stopped because they, you know, turned the puck over and did something really silly. It was a a very stilted performance, unfortunately. And then, you know, things got worse, of course, when the Jets took a penalty. You know this PK against Edmonton's power play is not going to have a fun time because Connor McDavid just happens to be really good at punishing you every time you make a single mistake, and that's especially true when you're on the penalty kill. Unfortunately for the Jets, Tyson Berry ended up blasting it from the point and getting a nice clean goal against Connor Hellebuck. A frustrating way to start the game. Fortunately for the Jets, later in the game, they ended up getting a nice game-tying goal courtesy of uh, Andrew Kopp to Blake Wheeler. Kopp seemed to recognize that Kulikov was along the wall and ended up being in a very vulnerable spot. Kulikov tried to pass it along the boards, ended up getting picked off by Andrew, who read it perfectly. And then Kopp sauces a perfect pass over to Blake Wheeler, who one-times it past Miko Koskinen. I thought, well, maybe the Jets have a sign of life, but then, of course, things, uh, (laughs) as often with this team occurs, they they ended up going sour very quickly. Blake Wheeler took a double minor with a high sticking that drew blood. Unfortunately, the Jets then conceded a goal in less than, like, 12 seconds to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is one that Hellebuck is going to want to have back, and to be honest, Hellebuck hasn't been super sharp against the Oilers. In fact, he's not been super sharp over the past several games. His save percentage is definitely nosediving. A lot of easier shots that he doesn't have that much trouble usually handling, he's suddenly struggling with. If Hellebuck is indeed starting to regress towards the end of this season and is wearing down or something, that's going to basically spell the end of Winnipeg's playoff hopes. Let's be honest, Hellebuck is like half of the backbone of this team. It's already bad enough that Winnipeg is without Nikolai Ehlers and is very much getting game-planned into oblivion by the Oilers. It's basically an impossible task to then have to beat this team that's stifling the Jets if Connor Hellebuck is in any way, shape, or form struggling. Gotta be honest, not getting the warm fuzzies about this playoff matchup. I've mentioned it before, but I think things are starting to look even worse if Connor Hellebuck is also, you know, regressing a bit and and struggling again. If he is, the Jets aren't going to be winning very many games at all against the Oilers, and it's not like the prognosis for that was good as it was already. I don't know what to make of this team, to be honest. Uh, You know, we've got another period of this game. I'll have some thoughts on it tomorrow. Um, Expanded thoughts, I suppose. Maybe some things that the Jets did well, some things that they really struggled with, but... 
I, I think Winnipeg's kind of at a crossroads, and the road that they're going down right now is not a good pathway. There's definitely some trouble in Jets land, and Winnipeg has a lot of work to do. I'm going to stop my ranting for tonight because I think I'm just tired of this, and I, I feel like the Jets at this point, I don't really know what to make of them. They're, I mean, they are who they are, but it really sucks to watch them continually find ways to lose to the Oilers. If Winnipeg can't even get a win tonight, they just don't even have a shot in the postseason. Let's hope for the best, y'all. Before you log off, don't forget to check out the Locked In Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked In Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked In Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.